Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset, your source for news, politics, and today, all things spooky. Today, we spent time at the Jane Addams Hull House Museum on the campus of the University of Illinois, Chicago. Hull House boasts a rich history in Chicago, but also a haunted one. But of course, Hull House doesn't have a monopoly on all things spooky in Chicago. You've heard of Candyman and perhaps even Resurrection Mary. Well, there are plenty of scary and just plain weird urban legends in this city, and our next guest knows all about them. With us is Chicago historian Adam Selzer, author of the 2016 book Mysterious Chicago, and most recently, Graceland Cemetery, Chicago Stories, Symbols, and Secrets. Adam, you are a Chicago historian, but a lot of what you focus on is the darker side of its history, from murders to ghosts. I mean, what prompted your interest in the supernatural and morbid side of Chicago? (laughs) (laughs) Scooby-Doo. I wish I had some other story like, I never believed in any of this until one day. (laughs) They tend to want me to have that story on the TV shows. No, it was just Scooby-Doo, honestly. First of all, you have the voice for this, I I gotta say. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Those tours must be really, really exciting. I have a good time on it. And authentic. I I, I try to. I try to trace everything back to primary sources as much as I can, so I know about... uh, People thought that Hull House was haunted before Jane Addams even moved in. There were already some stories around the neighborhood. She wrote in her book that they had buckets of water on top of the stairs, which she thought might be connected to old legends about supernatural creatures being unable to cross water. That's like why Ichabod Crane has to get across the bridge to get away from the Headless Horseman. Oh, interesting. So... Tell us more. What are some of Chicago's best-known urban legends and haunting well, certainly stories? Certainly the best one, best-known one would be Resurrection Mary, our vanishing hitchhiker. Yeah, and, talk, talk more about Resurrection well, Mary. Well, here's the cool thing with it. Vanishing hitchhikers are fairly common in folklore. People pick up a girl at the dance hall, offer her a ride home. She disappears, but then the mother says, that can't be my daughter. She died three years ago, and then the next day your sweater is on her grave. And most of the time, this is something you hear about happening like a friend of a friend of a friend of the guy you waited in line for the haunted mansion with. (laughs) In the case of Resurrection Mary, we do have a whole bunch of firsthand accounts of this. And what's what's interesting to me is when you look at the firsthand accounts, they don't always resemble the folklore. Like in the 1940s, folklorists started writing articles about the vanishing hitchhiker story. And Mm -hmm. they noticed the same thing in every city. She's met at a dance hall. The mother says, that can't have been my daughter. She died coming home from another dance. Um, Usually there's something about out. And when you look at the first-hand accounts of Resurrection Mary, when people tell the Resurrection Mary story, they usually have all of those things. Uh, The first-hand accounts, though, it's usually I was driving and I saw a girl that I thought was a girl from my high school sitting by the side of the road crying. I offered her a ride. When I got in, she realized, when she got in, I noticed, no, she's like 22. She's not at my high school. But then as we were driving by the cemetery, she was just gone. Oh, boy. uh, A lot of the major elements aren't really there. It's much more simple. I see. Well, let's, let's rifle through a few more. Candyman. Candyman was invented strictly for a movie. Yeah. <laughs> and when I was first doing ghost tours, they told me to teach it as though it was a real urban legend, but then my, my driver grew up in Cabrini Green, so he would be throwing cold water on that, and I'd look like a fool. <laughs> Homie the Clown? Homie the Clown. Wasn't that from In Living Color? That's what I thought, too. But is, is that, I, I didn't know there was an urban legend about there's, it. There's, there's more. <laughs> Apparently it's connected uh, to the city as well. And, and I've definitely heard this one in my nearly two years here in Chicago, the Congress Hotel. The Congress Hotel. I've so, I have told people if the Congress Hotel isn't haunted, no place is haunted. I mean, I've heard strange things in there. I've seen strange things in there. And it's one of the places, after it became famously haunted, people started making up stories like crazy. Same thing that happens at Hull House, really. 
I mean, there's stuff that we can trace back to eyewitness accounts, stuff to actual historical events, and oh. other stuff that they've just kind of made up out of nowhere. Like what? Well, one of my favorite things there was uh, it was actually in the uh, Florentine Ballroom that Teddy Roosevelt announced he was leaving the Republican Party. It was the 1912 Bull Moose campaign. And one time somebody asked me there when I was about to take a group in, and they said, well, do you know what kind of music they had there? And being a massive dork, I did know. Their, their, their campaign theme song was Battle Hymn of the Republic that year. People would jump up and start singing it during his rallies. So... I said, well, yeah, you know, there's a piano in here. Let's try to play it. Because there was a thing on that had just been on TV called Era Cues, where maybe if you play music from a ghost era, that will make it show up. And mm -hmm. it's at least more fun than sitting in an empty room all night. <laughs> so I walked over to the piano and picked out, like, a really scratchy version. Dee, 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 dee. And, and nothing happened that first time, but it sounded so spooky in a dark ballroom. That I thought, I am going to do this every time I come in here. <laughs> and twice when I stepped away from the piano, there'd be a couple more piano notes just out of nowhere. Oh my and it was never the right notes to come next in the melody or anything. You don't get that lucky. What but it's still think, more than a piano ought to be able to play itself. What did you think itself. in that moment? In that moment, I immediately turned around and said, okay, who did that? Or is there a rat inside of it or something? Because uh, usually these things are going to turn out to be something else. Yeah. And if, if you're not prepared for your ghost picture to turn out to be a blur on the window or a reflection of your ear, there's a lot of really good spooky whole house pictures of a ghost coming down the stairs that are really reflections of people's ears. It's amazing oh. how scary your ear looks when it's just a reflection. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, if you're not prepared for it to turn out not to really be a dead person, this is really not the profession for you. <laughs> You've got to be prepared for that. So how do you discover the more obscure supernatural The incidents. more obscure ones I usually would come from first-hand accounts. That usually yeah. comes from interviewing the staff, interviewing the security guards, getting their stories. Because there are a lot of lesser-known stories. There's quite a lot. Well, that's the thing. You can't really do a comprehensive list of the haunted places in Chicago because everybody you talk to knows three more stories. Mm. Or uh, every, just about every theater is supposed to have ghosts, and that's partly because if you ask a theater person to tell you a ghost story, they're going to do it. <laughs> um, hotels, almost always, and you can usually find any number of people who've died in a given hotel if it's old enough. Um, you do get to a, a point where I can kind of tell when people are just telling me what they think I want to hear. Yeah. Like anytime they say a woman in white, I just You're kind like, of assume. Right. Like, okay. <laughs> do you have a favorite Chicago urban legend? Do I have a favorite Chicago urban legend? That's really difficult. There's just so many of them. I do love the devil baby story. Yeah. And really, that wasn't, that's not unique to Chicago, though. The same thing had gone around in Cleveland in 1888. It had gone around Atlanta and D.C. around that time. Yeah. There was a variation in Indiana a couple of years ago. But which devil baby story? Because apparently there are several there <laughs> variations. There are quite a few, but there, there were quite a few. What's the of them, version yeah. you like? Um, well, the version I like, it's all, well, the one, one of them that went around is that the woman had given birth to nine daughters, and when she became pregnant again, the husband said, I would rather have the next one be the devil than another girl, which is a very similar to the legends about where the Jersey devil in New Jersey came from. Wow. But I like that. It, it drives me nuts. I, I actually would meet people who swore that Jane Addams buried the baby alive next door. And I really think if, if Jane Addams is not the type to bury babies alive, <laughs> even devil babies, if, if there had been, she, she suggested herself in 1913, the newspaper talked to her and she said, there must have been a baby with some of these symptoms born on the west side someplace to start this. But if one had been brought here, they would have taken it to the hospital, not hidden it up in the attic. <laughs> Why does Chicago have so many ghost stories, Adam? What is it about this city that makes it 
what I mentioned earlier, it's, it's like a hot spot for the supernatural. It, it is. It's not the only city that is, though. We can ask that with a lot of things, like our crime stories. In the 1920s, Chicago was uh, ranked 46th in murder rates. And people act to talk to like we were the number one all the time. Mm-hmm. We were, maybe we're just better at telling our stories than other cities are. Um, do you ever uh, discover newer haunting stories happening here? I, I do. The... the I tend to be more of a smart aleck about things, so I try to stick with older stuff that I'm less likely to get in trouble over. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You've also written a number of books, as I mentioned, Mm -hmm. right? They range in topics from Graceland Cemetery to H.H. Holmes and more. Mm -hmm. How do you choose which urban legends or what part of local history will become a book? Uh, Really, it's just how much data is out there. There's any number of stories that I'd love to do a book on, but there's just not enough material out there. There's maybe enough for a really good magazine article, but not too many eyewitness accounts, not too much that was written about it at the time. So it's a matter of finding what I find the most interesting and then whether there's enough material out there. Yeah. Is there another book in the works? Yes, there is. What can you share? Uh, well, I'll just talk about the whole thing. There was uh, one of our other antique serial <laughs> killers was a guy named Johan Hawk. When they when they uh, when they caught up to him, they think he might have proposed to wife number fifty five already. Oh my goodness! Uh, last woman he last woman he married here, last woman he killed here was a woman named Maria Walker. He uh, met her at a candy store she worked in. They talked for half an hour. And he said, "All right, you, I like you. You like me. We can get married then." Yeah. He, he talked like a German character on The Simpsons. <laughs> and looked like the guy on the Pringles can, but he immediately gave her some arsenic, and while her body was lying on the bed, he proposed to her sister, and her sister said yes. So he didn't kill the sister, he just took her money and what? ran off to New York, and then it started this whole thing. There was a fantastic reporter named Evelyn Campbell who was on the case in Chicago and ended up accompanying him back to Chicago after they caught him. Wow. It's a, it's a long and fascinating story. I'm still putting all the data together. <laughs> I was going to say, when can we expect that one? <laughs> uh, hoping in the next couple of years. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I've got a question for you from another Adam uh, in the audience. Why do you think that there are so many paranormal urban legend archetypes around the world. So, example, Lady in White, mirror ghosts, demons, mm. hitchhiking ghosts, everything that we've talked about. Like, why does it right. exist so much globally? Well, something about it just resonates with us, and something resonate, some kind of things just resonate across different cultures, I suppose. And a lot of it is, you know, like the devil baby story was often used to uh, teach young women not to have sex or not to marry outside of their religion. Mm-hmm. And even now, some of the stories that people tell about Whole House, I know who made them up, and I know what their agenda was behind making it mm. up. It's still kind of the same thing, but certain things just resonate with us. Well, let, let's go back to talking about your tours, right? Because you're doing that in mm-hmm. addition to writing these complicated books. <laughs> so talk about some of your favorite places to show people. Well, my favorites are the cemeteries. Cemetery work is my favorite because I had ADD back before it was cool. Well, you know, when I was a kid, I was just terrified of cemeteries. I wouldn't go near them. But now they're, what, what I've come to realize is, you know, there's a new mystery to solve every time you go into the cemetery. I'm always finding new stuff. And the tours can vary quite a lot when I'm running tours there. Because every time I find a new story, I can just move the route around to talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So are you met sometimes with, I, I, you've got to have some skeptics that oh, show sure. up. Oh, sure. So how do you handle that? First of all, what, what are some things that folks have said to you or... 
Oh, people accuse me of having made up the ghost stories all the time, and I'm not that organized. He's here to tell I, you today, I, folks. I know that I would get <laughs> caught if I just tried to make something up, so yeah. I really try Let's to Let's clear it that. up right now. Yeah, I mean, they, they usually appreciate that I focus more on the historical stuff. I don't necessarily try to vouch for the ghost being real. I'll tell you what people say that they've seen here. Whether you believe them, that's kind of up to you. Yeah. Well, do you have believers by the end of the tour? Sometimes? Um, well, I always tell people ghost is a very broad category. You know, what we mean when we say ghost is a whole different thing. Is it just something our brains do, or is it? do we really think that a translucent version of you flies out of your nose at the minute of death and then rattles chains in the hallway thereafter? <laughs> and I don't expect people to start believing that, but you know, we, we look at ghosts as a very broad concept. Do you weave humor into your tours as well? Oh, oh yeah, I can tell if I'm doing a good job if people are laughing. Um, if I'm just trying to scare them, they're just, they're just going to be, be sitting there stock still and shivering, and I don't know if I'm doing a good job or not. <laughs> so, they, they look the same if they were bored. Right. That, that's very true. So talk to me about the research that you do to develop the tour and then finding your sources even. Well, really, I try to get as many primary sources as I can, and that's me not just getting newspapers but getting the right newspapers. Like with the, with, with the H.H. Holmes story, when we were talking about his Chicago building, I wanted the Chicago papers on that, the yeah. ones that actually had a reporter on the ground. But those same ones were pretty useless for talking about his trial and his imprisonment in Philadelphia. you got to get the Philadelphia papers for that. Mm-hmm. And his activities in St. Louis, you'll get interviews with neighbors in the St. Louis papers. Uh, that's what it is, is really trying to trace things back to the best sources. But then I end up in the legal archives a lot and uh, reading old ladies' diaries. <laughs> I read a lot more old ladies' diaries than most people, I suppose. Let's, uh, let's talk about the, the focus of your latest book, which is Graceland, Graceland Cemetery. Yeah. Tell us more. Uh, Graceland Cemetery is was uh, founded in 1860 by a guy named Thomas Barber Bryan, who's almost like a, a Forrest Gump-type character in Chicago history. And quite a few of the uh, early Whole House founders, like Louise de Coven Bowen, is there. Um, Mary Roget Smith's family is there. She's not there herself. But there's just an endless supply of interesting stories and mysteries to solve there. So what I really tried to do with the book was just try to find not the most famous people, the most interesting people. Mm. I included any, any monument that you'd walk past and think, wow, who was that guy? But also some of the best stories are on unmarked graves. Also, I mean, we've mentioned a couple of times the H.H. H. Holmes story, but mm-hmm. in case there's someone who is not aware... Sure. H.H. Uh, H. Holmes is the devil in the White City guy. We tend to advertise him as America's first serial killer. Really, he was not even the first one in Chicago, but that's just a good marketing term. Uh, what he's best known for is down on 63rd Street, he had a building that we now refer to as the Murder Castle, which uh, when they started digging into this place in 1895, they said that they found all kinds of hidden rooms and secret passages and uh, everything you could possibly need to kill a person. And similar to a lot of the Hull House stories, it just grew and grew and spiraled out of control. It's a little more fiction than fact. But um, his murder castle is now a post office? They, well, they tore the building down in the 1930s. There's a post office there that overlaps with it a little bit now. Oh, dear. <laughs> Just a little bit. Well, when I first interviewed people who worked in the post office, they initially told me, oh, we, we smell some weird stuff in the basement. I don't really see anything. <laughs> but when they're asked now, they usually it's, have much more elaborate stories. Oh, it's got to be haunted. Yeah. Got to be. You would think so. I'm not really sure how many people were actually killed there. Um, Holmes killed nine or ten people, but only a few of them would have been in Chicago and maybe none of them in that building. The story just got wilder and wilder. So uh, in any projects that you just haven't gotten to yet, Adam? Oh, there's a long list you, of you've those. Covered, I have, I have you've a whole, covered quite a bit. Oh, yeah, I have a whole, among my files, there's just a tag, learn more, that I've still got a whole lot going on in. Give us a quick 
list uh, of some of the things that you want to get to? Oh, there's plenty of other uh, old-timey serial killers. A lot of them, a lot of poisoners from the old, from the old days. I was just looking at a really interesting story in uh, 1857. A guy named Charles Seifert was murdered while trying to vote by anti-voting mobs who were patrolling the city. That oh, came yeah. up. It was a really big story for a while. They gave him a massive funeral. 5,000 people attended. But now I can't really figure out exactly where they buried him or if he's still there now. Oh, my goodness. It was probably the old city cemetery where Lincoln Park is. But I, as far as I know, he never got moved. So he's probably still in an unmarked grave there now. Well, we'll have to wait for you to get to that book. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> Adam Selzer is an author, tour guide, and much more. His new book, Graceland Cemetery, Chicago Stories, Symbols, and Secrets, is out now. Thank you so much for spending time oh, with thanks us. for having me. This episode of Reset was produced by Meha Ahmed and Haima de Medici. Want more Reset in your podcast feed? Great news. You can subscribe. We got plenty more fun and thought-provoking stories to share with you. And when you subscribe, leave us a rating if you'd be so kind. It really helps more listeners find us. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.